Welcome to another episode of the SNC Podcast. I am your host, Wala Shade Anozie. Today on the podcast, I chat with a seasoned media and broadcasting veteran, Olaleko Ogumbawo. Leko Ogumbawo has an impressive background. He started his career as a trainee announcer with the defunct Lagos State Broadcasting Corporation in 1980. Between 1983 and 1985, he attended the Nigerian Institute of Journalism. He obtained a bachelor's degree in English and a master's degree in public administration from Lagos State University. His professional experience entails serving as the general manager of Radio Lagos and Echo FM for five years. Later, he was appointed as the permanent secretary for Lagos Television, Radio Lagos, and Echo FM. In 2014, he was appointed the permanent secretary at the Parastatal's Monitoring Office, Office of the Governor of Lagos State, until 2015 when he retired. Welcome to the SNC podcast, Mr. Leko Ogumbao. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, sir. Such a pleasure to have you here. Was journalism, particularly working on radio, was that something that you always wanted to do? Mm, what I always wanted to do was actually study law mm. or be a pilot. Wow. All of those didn't come. So the next thing I found myself doing was yeah. being an on-air personality. No, no, no. I don't like that expression. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll get into that. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. I found myself being an on-air trainee that's been a an announcer trainee okay and then going on to become a trained broadcaster mm-hmm. speaking for a living and then going to journalism school well first going to the training school at radio nigeria and uh-huh. you know picking up and then later going back to school first diploma in journalism next doing a a straight degree in English and then going back to do a master's in uh, public administration. Yeah. So so why was the pilot dream and the legal dream, what, what happened to the why? What happened? Well, you know, uh, part of my life story is that at some point I had to take up the responsibility of training myself. Mm. So there was no money. And the only reasonable thing to do was start work. And of course, the moment I started work, I realized that, oh, no, 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 I should just face um, this as a profession. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, going to school to read law. By the time I was going back to the university, I found that it was better I just read something that's close to what I do. You understand? Yeah. So I wouldn't have to get out of the profession. And then have and to I'd start. And I'd gone very far. Yeah. You so anyway, I, I compensate myself, sure. <laughs> two of my children are lawyers. So. Oh, okay, so you see, but I can still go back and read law. That, no, you can't see. I can still go back exactly. And read law, so. A dream, you know, it may be deferred. Doesn't mean that it's no, never going to. Ex- exactly. I can. I can. I just may. You I should. just may. Do you have any specific aspect of law that you want to focus on, or just general law? Just general law. Okay. Just general law. So your kids, um, do they have a specialty? The ones who are lawyers. Interestingly, none of them has expressed that specialty. If I'm more interesting is the fact that they're not even practicing law. Oh, well, so am I. No, I know, I know. So it's just very interesting. Okay. Because I was going to ask you um, that were any of your parents into journalism, had they expressed any interest or that was just you? Because just to go back a little, you said that you wanted to do, you wanted to become either a lawyer or a pilot. Mm-hmm. 
why couldn't you go into engineering? Why was I wasn't that good in maths? Oh, okay. Uh, so engineering. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, and I'm also you. Yeah, <laughs> that's who you are. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, can you talk about the necessary steps that you took in? I guess pursuing your career in broadcasting and journalism. So you said that at 18 you had been working. I think as a child or as a young adult, a lot of us are just trying to figure out how we're going to make it in this life. But for you, did you know that okay, I need to do this, this, and this in order to get to that? If you could talk about that, I think it's more of life shoving you in the direction you should face mm. and you embracing it. That's what happened to me. I found myself having to work. And as I started working, I realized that, hey, whereas I thought I would just work for two years and then go back to school, mm. it became an impossible thing to do because you couldn't just do that yeah. and go back to school. Who's going to pay your fees? Even if you had little money to yeah. pay, you know, at the at the initial stage, mm-hmm. you would need more money as time went yeah. on. So I just stuck with it. And then I started uh, training myself on the job. Okay, mm-hmm. first the mandatory training at Radio Nigeria, which I think was in 1982, 82 July, between July and September, yes. And then that was the basic announcers course. Mm-hmm. As of that time, you know, back then, broadcasting was more regulated, was mm-hmm. more regimented. Everything was owned by government. There were no private stations until Ray Power came along, you understand? Sure. So training was classified, was stratified you had to do this training at this time you had to go for that so everybody knew what to do at a particular time you mm-hmm. understand me and standards were much higher then than they are now you feel so yeah i know so oh yes i know so yeah standards were much much higher then what kind of standard compared to now what how do you how do you see the difference the difference is then that you see in the illusion of uh no in the expression of freedom of speech Right, people say a lot of nonsense on the air these days. You know, there are stuff you shouldn't be saying on the air mm. at particular times. Even in freer societies, in Western societies, there's stuff you don't say during daytime broadcast. You understand me? But they do that here. So, for example, what kind of stuff have you heard that just you you have been like, really? Why is this? Well, a generic example would be, you know. Uh, because children will be okay. listening in. Yes. There are stuff you don't say openly on yeah. radio like that, even on TV. That's why even in the Western society where you live, there are stuff they don't say. During mm-hmm. the, they, they will still code it, even if they were to refer to it. Mm-hmm. They'll code it. They'll say something like, oh, no, I shouldn't say this on national TV. Yeah. Even if it were a regional TV, this is a national TV. Yes. We don't start talking about the sexuality of the human anatomy mm-hmm. you understand me see how long it took to express that <laughs> yeah, because yes. i didn't want to mention the names so yes. you understand me yes. uh, on open daytime tv mm-hmm. or daytime radio do you think that there's a generational divide in terms of like your generation versus my generation or just like not even let's let's maybe maybe not even generational divide maybe times have changed and people are now more willing to be more upfront and frank about these topics. Yeah, well, 
that's usually the claim that they throw at us. <laughs> but we also remember to say to them that we sent you to school over yeah. there. When you got there, didn't yes. you notice that there were time limits yeah. for those expressions? That's true. Uh-huh. It's the recognition of the time limits that mm. I'm talking about. Okay. There are things you don't say on the radio or TV because... <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah. No, I mean... It, and it, then these days you have a lot of uh, so-called uh, on-air personalities okay, who are always just talking about themselves. You know, you know what, let's just even go ahead. So I look at the broadcasting, for particularly radio, I look at it as you have on-air personalities, you have news broadcasters, mm-hmm. and then I think that you have um, radio presenters. Is that fair to say? Because I feel like with the radio presenter, that person could just be presenting like reporting on the news or entertainment story you can correct me if i'm wrong because you're the expert so i just i just want to if you could explain the difference because <laughs> on air personality like you said a lot of on air personalities they're there to sell themselves and to sell the brand but what let brand? me know yeah. <laughs> what brand i had this conversation with mr ogunlano and i said that in our generation there's this need for us to be brands but you can go ahead sir <laughs> look tell yourselves the truth Anybody who goes on the air regularly presenting some form of content or the other, right, has a title. That title could be a newscaster, Mm -hmm. could be a program presenter. Mm -hmm. It could even be both newscaster and presenter or even more than that, newscaster, presenter, Mm -hmm. producer. You understand me? It could be everything. But you see, when people came up with the expression on-air personality, I asked the question, what does that mean? What does he do? What does she do? It's not everybody who speaks on the radio that's an on-air personality or that's a producer or a presenter. Mm -hmm. Some are just passing by. They came in Mm -hmm. to express an opinion and they go away. Mm -hmm. I grew up knowing that there were public analysts, people who would speak to an opinion on public issues, they qualify more to be called on-air personalities, you understand me, than presenters. People just got tired of the expression presenter Mm -hmm. or announcer and decided I'm an an OAP. (laughs) So, okay, so if you take it back to someone that we I think a lot of us, and I think even you would know as well, is someone like um, Howard Stern. Mm -hmm. He's he's an on-air personality, right? No, he's not. He's not? You wouldn't say he is? He's a radio presenter. No, I know he is, yeah. That's who he is. No, I know. I think when I say on a personality, it's that whole thing of the fact that this person is <laughs> this person is bringing their brand and their fans fans to to the station, right? And that's supposed to simultaneously benefit them and the station. You don't you don't agree clearly? I do not. He is a presenter who syndicates his shows. Mm-hmm. You understand? That's who he is. On their personality, okay, so the person who appears on TV is what? On TV personality <laughs> or what? So the people who appear in movies are what? Actors and actresses. Uh-huh. So if they can be actors and actresses, why can't presenters on radio and TV be presenters? TV shows, they call them TV, TV, presenters. TV hosts, yeah. show hosts or anchors, you understand me? This idea of on-air personality, you see, you can see that we're whittling down the branding thing. How many on-air personalities can walk the streets of Lagos and be recognized instantly? 
if they are a number of them, I think. Let uh, <laughs> a, let an alue come and walk on the, your streets, whether people will not recognize. Uh, of course, you understand what I'm yes, saying. Yes, sir. Uh, let uh, Sholashu Boale come and walk on your street. Yeah. Right, she's an actress. I think it's just this semantics. Uh, it, yeah, I think I think it's just uh, this endless search for identity. <laughs> okay, sir. Okay, mm-hmm. and becoming is someone who wants to become an on-air personality. What advice would you give to them in order for them to to say that I'm carrying that title on my head with so much confidence. If you talk to me about what does anybody need to do to be a good presenter, I, I was going to get there, but I, I want to no. You I don't. I can't talk about yes. your Okay, let's do. Pre- I don't understand the concept. You understand me? The builder is a builder. <laughs> a mason is a mason. Yeah. Right. A contractor is a contractor. You understand? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, what does someone? Let's just say I want to become a radio presenter. Mm. What do I need to do? Well, first and foremost, you need a very good voice, a clear voice, and then you need to work on yourself, attain uh, fluency in the language of communication so it's not like you're you're losing your audience as a result of your inability to, you know, communicate in the language, right? And then you need to be teachable. You need to educate yourself and also be willing to learn from others, also, you must, you must learn to breathe well so you can use your voice properly because your, your body uses air to activate your vocal cords and then the right words come out and you can now sustain the speech based on how well you have learned to breathe. Yes, that's you true. So if you don't know how to breathe, you find yourself uh, breathing all the time into the Michael. microphone. <laughs> yes uh and then you equally need to be informed a lot of people who go on the air don't know anything and they look down on their audiences they forget that the people who are listening to them are oftentimes more more informed ah, (laughs) you can teach them they're more informed than you so you've got to be one step ahead by knowing something i say to people that you you must know something small about everything that way, you'll be able to hold a reasonable conversation, like a 15-minute conversation on any topic. That's true. That's it. So once you know that, then you keep honing yourself on that. You keep growing. And in no time, people will respect you for the depth of what they hear from you. That's it. So for someone like me, I, I'm a very fast talker. And I had to train myself to... People who really know me know that sometimes whenever, whenever they hear my, like right now, whenever they hear my podcast, they can tell when I'm like, should I breathe? <laughs> mm-hmm. Breathe. Because when you talk so fast, I, I notice that you tend to jumble those words together and they Nobody don't breathe. Hears Nobody clearly. hears you clearly. Yeah. But do you think that that's an Nigerian thing as well? We talk very fast in Nigeria. We don't. We don't? Mm-mm. Really? Mm-mm. Really? Mm-mm. I feel like... A lot of us speak really fast. No, maybe a few of maybe us. Maybe a few of us. Not a lot of us. Mm. A lot of us are used to speaking slowly, slowly, taking our time. Yeah. But guess what? Do you know that sometimes when people speak fast, it's because they're struggling with their reality of um, shyness. Mm. It's like, oh, no, I'm in this space. Must I be here? How soon can I get it over with? For me, it's, it's actually the other way around. Like, I have so much I want to say, and I feel like I have to say, it's like, okay, 
Take it one step at a time. So can I say to you that it's the same thing? <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. See, you have so much to say mm-hmm. and you want to say everything together. At that moment. Why? Yeah. So that you can move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's it now. Yeah. So right. it's really, it's. I think it's just it's just like having the jitters over what you've got to do. Mm. Mm, that's it. Okay. Now, I want to know what it was like back in 1980 when you were a trainee announcer. Mm. And you talked about the fact that standards differ now. Um, specifically, what sorts of tasks or duties were you performing? Well, basically, one when I started, the first thing you did was you just sat in the studio watching other people work. And that could be very, very boring, <laughs> annoying, stressful. Stressful in the sense that you knew that until whoever was in charge of your training was ready to put you on the air, you weren't going anywhere. And that was some stress. But it was interesting in the sense that you found yourself listening into others and saying, okay, that's the way they say, this is Radio Lagos, Ikeja. It's 10 o'clock. You say, one day, I'm going to say that. Yes. <laughs> and then eventually... They will make you rehearse the news, but you were not going to read it. Mm. Every time they brought the news bulletin, whether it was a summary or it was a major news bulletin, you had the opportunity of rehearsing it, and but you were not going to read it because that's not your job yet. You are not ready for it. So each time they brought in the news, the designated newscaster radio would be there, and then he probably would just go through it and finish and once it's over, you just pick it up and you start going through, preparing yourself, learning the tricks until that day would come and end up say, okay, give the time check. That's the first thing you would do. It's 10 o'clock. This is Radio Lagos, Ikeja. Mm. And you moved away for the person who will take the news to yeah. take the news. And now it comes, here is the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you did that for like two, three months. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. Very boring. But it also kept you agitated. Ah, ah, I'm ready now. I'm ready mm. now. They should give me the opportunity now. And then they'll eventually say, all right, you're taking the summary today. Wow. And then you start exactly. shaking. You start shaking. But with time, you got the better, the hang of it. That's really awesome. Yeah. I think some of what you're discussing, some of the duties that you're discussing, maybe may not be applicable to your role as a GM. But do you think that you learned anything during that time before you eventually became a general manager? Any things that you learned that you think were helpful in your role as a GM? Yeah. One of the things I learned way back then was the fact that you needed to get your staff trained. If your staff were not trained, you're not going anywhere. Mm. Right. And see, you can only be GM over a successful organization. If the organization failed, you're a failure too. So you needed to train people. That I learned from a very, very young age. And I stuck with that and it stuck with me too. I do not play with training. And then the next thing was that staff welfare was important because I saw it. If people didn't look after you, those people also will not look after their business. That's, That's true. Yeah. I think that a lot of Nigerian businesses fail to understand mm-hmm. that your staff, I mean, mm-hmm. I think customers come first, but your staff, they are the ones that yeah, have the representation are. of yeah. your establishment. Sure. In my company now, I do not uh, play with people's welfare. Yeah. We sell food here. So the staff are entitled to a full meal in a day. That's good. At yeah. least they know that, oh, I'm going to eat a mm-hmm. very, very good meal today. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Going back 
to your time as a general manager of a radio and television station, what skills, which I think for me, being a manager is one of those skills, what other skills do you think are important in order to succeed? So besides training your staff, ensuring about the welfare of your staffers, what other skills do you think are important to becoming a general manager? Well, you must also be purpose-driven to the extent that you have a clear idea of how to generate revenue. Without revenue, no business will, is sustainable. So you must acquire uh, a capacity to generate income. So business business development is definitely key. Yes, it is. It's very, very important. Very, very and thereafter, you know, is like reinventing yourself. That's reinventing the brand, to use your expression, the brand of the station, mm-hmm. of the entity. New ideas come out every day. So you've got to uh, get a good grip on your audience and its preferences. Then you churn out stuff that will interest them. Yeah, because during your tenure at um, Echo FM, the Radio Lagos and LTV, some of the programs that you came up with under your tenure, one of them was, was it Automedics, right? Automedics came Automedics up, came yes. up, and then Lagos Traffic, right? Yeah. Well, how did Automedics and Traffic Radio, well, why was that something that you wanted to? You know that Traffic Radio, for instance, uh, the then governor, Fashola, mm-hmm. you know, he traveled, he came back from a, from a foreign trip and said, look, guys, I want us to set up a Traffic Radio, but I don't want advertising on it and all that. And I said, ah, we must advertise. I said, no, I don't want advertising. I said, okay, but let's set it up first. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we went about getting uh, getting a license and all that. Mm-hmm. Applied for the license, secured the license. And then the government released funds, built the structure and all that. And then people were seconded from the existing radio stations mm-hmm. for the takeoff of it. Now, his idea was that Lagos as a state and a metropolis had a huge traffic problem and people needed information as to how to go about their lives daily being informed that this is where traffic is this is the free uh, location to mm-hmm. pass was critical so that was his intention mm-hmm. right he was right because everybody wants to know what's happening <laughs> traffic wise yes. traffic radio became an instant hit mm-hmm. till today it's still the go-to station yes. when you want to know how to move, where yeah, to move, exactly. you understand yes. tell you. And of course, we had to start advertising at some point. Because <laughs> yeah. I was about to say that. I was just you listening. know, we had to start advertising. There mm-hmm. was no. It doesn't make business sense not to start advertising. Yes, mm-hmm. politically, it may be good, but then how long will that last? Mm-hmm. How long? No, it won't last long. Yeah, because yeah, yeah providing information isn't going to sustain the building and pay people's salaries and people's welfare. Yeah. Right. And then why lose a good business opportunity? Yes. Why lose it? What about automatics? No, automatics is just like a natural follow-up, mm. right? Uh, Kunle came back from mm-hmm. the U.S. and he started a, an auto mechanic sh- workshop. And we got talking, he writes for the punch and said, look, do this on radio too. Yeah. It started first with uh, TVC, that's uh, now Max FM, and then pulled him to traffic radio now he does on so many stations yeah he does so. yeah that's really cool i'm just kind of tying it back to the whole business development mm. aspect of being a general manager yeah. if you were still a gm in 2019 or permanent secretary mm. and uh 
radio presenter or a television presenter wanted to come work at your station, what exactly would you be looking for besides being able to breathe, you know, pacing yourself? They must be fluent. They must also be intelligent. It's not just about having a good voice. How do you even get a good voice? How does someone... That's a natural thing. There's nothing anybody can do about it. It's like your voice. You can't copy somebody to sound like you. But the people that do impressions, though... That, those are impressionists. Yeah. They are not themselves when they are sounding like somebody else. True. They're just trying to like present mm-hmm. something that sounds like someone to make fun. Mm-hmm. You understand mm-hmm. me? But they can't do that every day. Or yeah. else they wouldn't have an identity. So your voice is a natural gift. It's, it comes like that. So you can't work at it, no? You can work at improving it, but you can't work at creating it. <laughs> it's like yes. learning to sing. You either have a voice that uh, is amenable to singing, oh, okay. or you don't. So they've got to be able to speak well, mm-hmm. but they must be intelligent. They must not be lazy. See, okay, see what you're trying to do here now. You came with a huge bag, you set up and all that. Took about 30 minutes to set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lazy person won't do that. Just say, okay, let me, let's use my phone. We'll, then I'll go and clean it up later. You yeah. understand me? Yeah. So you, they've got to be dedicated to the cause, to their duties. And today, you see, today I still consult for stations. Yeah. These are things I say to them, no, that's not going to work. This is what will work. You understand? Mm-hmm. And if I present, if I recommend that someone is good, they don't question it. If I say yeah. it's not good, too, they don't question it. They trust your yes. experience. Exactly. Now, do you think that there's any validity, which you kind of have alluded to in the beginning of our conversation, that a lot of TV stations or radio stations are placing an emphasis on presenters, who have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to homegrown talent. Do you think do you think there's any validity to that criticism? Oh, there is now. It's is like uh, a rehash of uh, what fella sang about and called it um colonial mentality. It's colonial mentality that makes somebody who has an audience that's Lagos based recruit a foreign sounding presenter to appeal to that audience. Mm. It's colo mentality. The but, truth is mm. that it's a lovely thing for people to speak good English. Mm-hmm. Few people who have lived overseas can speak with their accent. But many people who have only stayed for two years come back with an accent. Or oh, to make it matters <laughs> worse, those who do not even have any claims to have been lived overseas. They <laughs> still sound like they are foreigners. Yeah. Now, the bulk of your audience would not hear what they are saying. And this is radio. It's broadcast. It's like someone says a word at the beginning of a 30-second material and the audience is lost to the meaning of that word. Mm most likely the audience will be lost to the meaning of the rest of the 30-minute conversation. Why? Because they were busy trying to figure out what those people meant within the first second. That's it. So it's better. I feel sorry for those stations who recruit foreign-accented individuals. But I guess since it's business, yeah, because their business... Is it really, is it really these stations' fault 
or false, yeah, false is the right word. Because we hear a lot of comments about Nigerians, we are so fake and we like things that are foreign. So from a business standpoint, what's wrong in someone tapping into that and saying, okay, well, Nigerians like, and we'll hire those types of people. It's their fault. The Nigerian that loves the so-called foreign stuff is because nobody has pointed him in the right direction. There are children that we are raising who, and I'm not talking of your generation, <laughs> <laughs> because your generation has already been raised. The children coming after you mm-hmm. and the ones that will come after them, mm-hmm. they are being raised on a diet of foreign yeah. sounds. Yeah. The movies they watch, most times they don't hear what is being said. Most people who go to the movies, have you been to the movies lately in Nigeria? Not recently. Okay. Once you go go there, you see that at some point, there are things you would hear because you had lived overseas that people there will not hear. Mm. And they will laugh, of course, right? <laughs> and you say, ah, that's not funny. Yeah. You understand? Mm-hmm. That's because they, in their heads, imagined that they heard something else. And so... My fear is that we're we'll raising children who are not even uh, wise in their thinking because they are not real. They're not real. Yeah, because I always say that one of the things I've noticed, both being an American and a Nigerian, is the fact that Nigerians, I mean, Americans are very protective about their culture. They're very ethnocentric. It's so hard for a foreign whatever foreign it is to just permeate american culture it's it, you will try and try sometimes you can be, you can succeed but in nigeria it's like we're so quick to just let everything come into our mindset or our practices now you see the the interesting thing is that at the heart of the average nigerian he or she is a cultural person but on the other side on the convert, the, the reverse side mm-hmm. is the fact that there is a yearning for something foreign, right? Yeah. So oftentimes they will now want to step down the foreign thing, the the, the local stuff mm-hmm. for the foreign stuff. Mm-hmm. I am happy though that in the last like five years, as there was a growth in the quest for foreign sounding um, presenters on the radio, mm-hmm. sometimes on TV. There was a humongous growth in the preference for Nigerian music. Yeah, that's true. That's very and true. And Nigerian music, they don't sound foreign. They speak Niger song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they speak <laughs> Pigeon Pigeon. Yeah. Put Pigeon, put uh, English, put, in fact, put Pigeon. Put, Traditional uh, language. Yes, put Yoruba, Hausa, Igbo, you understand me? Or even uh, somewhere from uh, Benue and mm-hmm. all that, and then speak regular English, African English. Yeah. So those foreign sounding presenters now have to come down to reality when mm-hmm. they come to those songs. Right? You want to sing uh, Olamide's Ele Damio. <laughs> Are you going to say Ele Damio <laughs> or what? <laughs> so so, so yes. you see. You learn the intonation. Yes. So the, the intonation, the local intonation is retained. The nuances are retained in the Nigerian songs. So that's very gratifying to me. Mm-hmm. Though I have another fear in those songs. Many of them are so lewd. Right? It's unbelievable. 
But do you think that you're very traditional? Not traditional. Do you think you're very conservative? That's why you think it's lewd? I no, no. I, I would rather consider myself as a decent person. <laughs> because you, there's some there's some songs that in your generation, yeah. I listen to them. Like my mom was playing one song one time in the car. She was really jamming to the song, mm. and the lyrics. Yeah. I was confused. Yeah. Because I was like, this is really, really sexual. See. Hmm. A song like Sexual Healing. Mm-hmm. Right? It was a song. <laughs> I know it was a song. <laughs> right? Yes. A song like Sexual Healing. Mm-hmm. When it came out, it was banned. You understand mm-hmm. me? But it's not lewd. There's no direct mention of any item yeah. of the human anatomy mm-hmm. that is sexual, yeah. that is offensive there. But it was banned. These days, there are more songs that will call a spade a spade mm-hmm. in sexual issues. Yeah. And they become mainstream songs. I heard a song being played by a DJ at a school event. And kids were jamming. <laughs> I said to my friend, I said, Como lane. She ain't got a lane, boy. <laughs> Is this what they're listening to? Yeah. Can't the principal stop them? And my friend said, Likon, are you sure the principal is hearing what you are hearing? Mm. That one is just hearing the song now. I said, yeah. no. Even there were songs when we were growing up that you just could not play. Yeah. Even at home, not to talk of the radio then. That's true. At home, it couldn't be played. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, us because obviously we're a different generation and I feel like, I feel like there's room for every kind of song to thrive. I do get your point that some songs are definitely overtly sexual and graphic, Mm. but that's where the freedom of expression comes into play. However, my issue is when, like you said, you see young children jamming to these songs, and I feel like that is definitely problematic because kids are very impressionable. Exactly. And I remember when I was young, which was why when my my mom was jamming to that song, I was like, aren't you the same person who gave me Abara? The song was, Let's Talk About Sex, Baby. I remember vividly that my mother gave me a dirty abara on my back. And I was singing the song not even knowing what it really meant. I know. So I, I, my point is that I see what, <laughs> I, I get your exactly. point. Exactly. I get your you point. You two would not feel comfortable to hear your child sing Let's Talk of About Of course, baby. yes. And so you d- now deliver to that child yeah. what was delivered to you <laughs> before. <laughs> Not an abara, a, a nice, a nice speaking oh. session. Oh. Okay, <laughs> we'll have that conversation well, when we again. get there, yes. right? Uh-huh. We will. Oh, all right. Now, um, I was thinking about the fact that times have changed now with the advent of technology and the internet. I feel like in your time, it was harder to break through to become yes, a rich. Yes, do you think that it's easier now for someone to maybe start off through YouTube, and then they can get discovered, and then. Yes, they, uh, you see, there are more um, avenues of expression mm-hmm. these That's days the than there ever had been. Now, those avenues of expression help people showcase their talents mm-hmm. and may catch the attention of people even in mainstream media work. Mm-hmm. However, there are a lot of people who we found in presentation today who are presenting and they're podcasting and all that Mm -hmm. who really don't have any business there because they don't have 
the initial things I said they must have they are not teachable mm-hmm. they don't have the knowledge you know you you've got to know something that you want to share before you want to share it you can't give what you don't have I heard that phrase 2 months ago and has stuck with me mm. that you really cannot give what you don't have you can't it's not possible someone who hasn't eaten cannot give out leftover food yeah yeah it, it doesn't have food now and let's go on quickly to not quickly but let's move on to you being a voice over artist mm. can you first of all break down what a voice over artist does for someone who doesn't really know what that is a voice over artist as far as i'm concerned is is an actor or actress is a voice actor you take a script or a copy as the advertisers love to call it you read it you understand it and then you interpret it you understand me so that's your job now how well you do it would determine how often you are called back for a repeat performance i teach a class at uh, the voice over academy yeah, i was going to get to that you understand me mm-hmm. i always say to them that look the relationship between the voice over artist and the producer is like the relationship between the brain and food the eyes see food the brain tells the eyes that okay that looks good the taste buds taste the food and say to the brain i like what i'm eating or what i'm tasting and then the brain says we like the food we're eating and because the brain has interpreted all of those signals to say we love what we're doing you're going to go back you find yourself eating the same thing over and over and over and over again because it is one that is memorable the memory is great so if you as a voice of artist you're called for a recording session you record and they don't like you not that because they hate you or because you didn't perform well for instance you were breathing into their microphone you were hasty you were not teachable you were not thorough you were not professional they'll say okay thank you they'll pay you half the price for that effort and they won't bother you again but if you got in there you took the script you rehearsed it you rehearsed and rehearsed you asked questions and then you went ahead and delivered a bomb aha <laughs> you say we love your bomb that's b o m b please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come again mm-hmm. oh i have another job for you i have another job for you that's what happens Now, it's preparation preparation yes okay now just kind of still tie back to that you are the provost for voice over academy academy yeah. um can you talk about what that organization does what it does really is uh, it opens up the opportunities that abound for many talents to get to discover their voices and learn to use their voices well and then push them towards seeking areas of expression in the many opportunities that exist in voiceover work in Nigeria. All right. So if I wanted to become a voiceover artist before I would jump to going to read a script with the client, I could come to voiceover. Yeah, we we'll just give you some basic training mm-hmm. and then open your eyes so you can see the opportunities that exist for you. Now, I really want to talk about this because When I went through Voice Over Academy's website, some of the services that not the, not services, some of the programs that you provide to people are Voice Over Master course, a mm-hmm. Voice Over Pro course, an audio branding max course, verbal communications and voice technicalities. 
I want to talk about the audio branding course mm-hmm. specifically because um, I was happy to, like I said, I was happy to read that's a service that is provided. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I feel like audio branding or as sometimes I see in other countries, they call it sonic branding, mm-hmm. are key aspects that a lot of companies and brands in Nigeria need to pay attention to. And a few months back, I was reading an article on Forbes about the world's best sonic brands. And the lady that was interviewed, Michelle Arness, hopefully I'm pronouncing her name right, said that a couple of, she said a couple of things that I find to be true. And I want to get your perspective about that. She said that most brands fail to think about sound and voice as an integral part of their brand's identity, Mm -hmm. which are powerful tools to create an emotional and personal connection with customers. This is only possible through a sonic branding strategy based on a unique sound DNA and the creation of authentic music, sounds, and voices. She went on to say, unfortunately, many of today's leading brands still opt for a tactical licensing strategy, whereby they rent pop songs to soundtrack their campaigns, and as a result, they are being associated with culture instead of driving that. Do you agree? Yeah, me couldn't have been better put. Yeah. You don't want to sell a product that is not easily identifiable Mm. if you had say your own sound okay let me give you an instance Mm. uh a few days ago i was watching the program uh, on tv uh swat okay and some my guest was watching it with me said ah that's the sound now that's that's that sound but this is not the old one we were watching when we were young. I said, no, it couldn't be now when you were young. I watched it too when I was much younger and I'm older than you. <laughs> so we laughed. Yes. I said, do you know why you remember that? She said, yes. I said, why? She says, that sound. I said, that's it. So that just fits into what you were mm-hmm. describing. You know, the uh, call sign, the signature tune. Yeah. The sword, the old sword was so as soon as it came up, she said, Ah, I know that, right? And I remember that wherever I was, once I heard it, I rushed to the TV mm-hmm. to watch it. Even when they were doing a rerun of it in the 80s, right on LTV, mm-hmm. I watched it. And today, I actually record all the episodes. That's the power of the Sonic branding. Yes, so here. When we say your sonic brand, to use your expression mm-hmm. now, right? It is all about you as a client coming to us and then we are advising you. We think this will, this will work for you and all that. And then you go with you go with it. If you want us to push it further, we'll develop it further. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, and have there been challenges where, whereby you're trying to tell clients that sonic branding or audio branding is critical to taking their brand to the next level and there has been resistance maybe because they don't really understand what sonic branding or audio branding is. Yeah. And in that instance, you have to leave it because they're the ones that will pay if they're not convinced as to the need for it. Why go ahead with it? Yeah. Because I was just thinking about so many brands in Nigeria that I just, I really can't place a a pulse on what their sonic or audio brand is and i'm just like okay i just know i just know you as this yeah it's Mm -hmm. cool but i don't really when you hear that sound Mm -hmm. and i think that like you said the core Mm -hmm. 
of what that brand was, maybe in the 1980s, still resonates even in 2019. Yeah. So they can build on mm-hmm. that identity, yeah. but the core melody, the core structure is yeah. what, you know? So yeah. I just thought that was really cool when I saw that. I was like, oh, that's so awesome that, you know, you have that as a program. Now, two more questions before I move on to the fun random questions. One of them is that I was thinking to myself that being a GM of a government-controlled radio and television station, I feel like come with so many challenges when you speak to your peers who probably run private-owned television or radio stations. Can you talk about how you went about, I guess, navigating those situations or issues? Not even issues like bad issues, but just like there are certain things that the government is expecting of you that they probably would not expect of a private run, privately run TV or radio station. Yeah, you see, um, the responsibility of the private station is first and foremost to make money for its owner. Mm-hmm. So they have a larger horizon to play. Public radio or TV, on the other hand, is geared towards connecting the public with the government and the government with the public. Now, ownership is key factor because it's owned by the government it actually entrusts for the people those in power in government tend to want to push you this way push you that way now you need to understand it as a person that they have the power but you need to show them the understanding that is required to perform your responsibilities the private stations if the owner is not in support of the government in power, they will abuse the government and all that. Mm-hmm. Government stations do not regularly engage in mud slinging and all that because it's much easier to take them to court than the private ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Did you ever consider switching to private? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Public through and through. I, I mean, 35 years. Yeah. Yes. Wow. What power to you, sir? Because <laughs> I feel like there's just, um, just so many, like you said, even like with the issue of trying to charge for ads yes. on traffic radio, I feel like someone like me, I feel like that would drive me crazy. Like, don't you get it? But I feel like that's where you have to effectively communicate the importance yes. and how that benefits, not mm-hmm. just the staff, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, finally. Because even before he left office, we were able to convince him. Mm -hmm. And then he said, okay, I don't want just any any type of of advertising. This is the type of advertising that I would like to see. Yeah. And we we, considered that. So, but he he didn't want just any, Any. he didn't want adverts because his position was that it would deviate from the ideals. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, sir. It won't deviate if it's well managed. I said, are you going to be the one in the studio? I said, yes, they will report to me. I'll yeah. see it. Uh, and then I will monitor it. I said, no, 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 no. Okay, you left it at that. And then we went back again. Mm-hmm. I said, sir, that thing, let's do it. Okay, let's even test run it. Okay, test run. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I don't want this type of, I don't want this type of, but bless him, he's still alive. So. Yeah. What do you miss the most about being the Permanent Secretary of all these different stations. Yes, Lagos TV, Radio, Radio Lagos, Lagos, Eco FM, FM, Traffic Radio. 
It was more, it was great fun. And, you know, such opportunities, they'll come to people at specific periods of their lives. Mine came. And I'm glad that I was able to use it well. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, Do I wish I was back there? Yes, I would be no. Because I've served my term. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... Oh yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't even asking that you want to go back. No, it was just like, yeah. what do you, what when you look back on your um, service and your time there, what what do you miss the most and how you were able to make an impact? Is it oh, just, okay, maybe let's say, what did I enjoy the most? Yes, there uh, was the ability to uh, formulate policies for public broadcasting within Lagos State. You understand me in conformity with uh, the National Broadcasting Code, and then being uh, instrumental to the uh, career path mm-hmm. of several professionals who are now interestingly in charge. Yeah. Yeah, so. So you feel so proud, right? Yeah, very. That's awesome. Yeah, very. That's yeah. really awesome. Okay, final question before we go into the fun random questions. What has retirement meant for you? Which I don't think you really have retired, but I guess. <laughs> retirement actually for me has uh, meant more work work in the sense that you know I was used to working mm. every day so I ha- I've had to create stuff that will interest me mm. drive me and keep me alive I found out that a lot of people once they retire bad or ill health mm-hmm. sets in yeah. and I don't believe that we should just be sedentary the human body was not mm-hmm made to just be static mm-hmm. you were supposed to move and then in any case you you need money so <laughs> yeah, you better get busy yes all right let's go on to the fun random questions you ready <clears throat> okay first let's go. Qu- <laughs> let's go i love that first question is what is the favorite country f- favorite foreign country <laughs> to travel to for me yes sir uh, which country is that uh, you can just pick anyone yeah, the one that's favorite. your favorite. Yeah. Foreign. Though. Foreign. Let's keep it up for the foreign people. <laughs> <laughs> foreign. Mm. Interestingly, I haven't traveled much. I've always been fascinated by the size of America. Mm. And I love traveling on the road there. Yeah, road trips. Road trips. I love. I mean, I have a friend. Well, you know him, Kunle. Mm-hmm. Whenever we're both in America at the same time. Yeah. His family is in um, Arizona. Mm. We we have friends in Atlanta. He used to live in Atlanta. And my daughter is in Texas, Mm -hmm. Dallas. So take a vehicle from Arizona (laughs) and head for Dallas. From Dallas, we drive to uh, Atlanta. I think when you just, when I, when you, as you were just talking, I was just, that's one thing that, I mean, generally speaking, I like to fly, but I think that driving, especially in America, gives you the opportunity to just see how, and I really wish we had that in Nigeria. I pray that we can fix Yes, sir, the roads. roads. I remember about how many years ago now? I think about 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I drove from Lagos to Ilori for my staff's wedding, two of them were getting married to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was chairman at the reception. Mm-hmm. So I drove from Lagos. I drove myself 
from Lagos to Eloy yeah. and back. It was lovely. I, you know, it was lovely. Earlier than that, about 22 years ago, 25 years ago, I think 25, my cousin was getting married in Kaduna and I drove from Elishon in Ogo State. I drove all the way to Kaduna and back. Wow. It was beautiful. Yeah. Try that now. Kidnap ah. you. Don't <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, forget kidnapping. Yeah. You, may, you may not even get to the destination because yeah. the roads are bad. Yeah. Second question, pick one. Beans and plantain, fried rice and plantain, or amala and ewedu? Well, it will have to be beans and plantain. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Beans and plantain is always awesome. Yeah. Okay. Third question, you are only picking one sports utility vehicle. Mm. A Range Rover, mm-hmm. a Bentley, or a Jaguar? It has to be a Range Rover. Fourth question is, two misconceptions that people have about you are? People have said I'm a ladies' man, and I've always said no. Mm. Well, I have a lot of friends who are female, yeah. but it doesn't make me any ladies' man. Mm. So that's one? Yeah, that misconception as well. Yeah, I've actually heard somebody say to me that I'm a proud person. And I said, me? No, it's not me. I'm a very private person, mm. uh-huh, but that doesn't make me proud. So, okay, so pride and ladies' man. Final question, who's your favorite musician and your favorite song of all time? Oh, that one is very hard, though. Okay, let's just say favorite song presently. My favorite song, really, is a song by one guy like that. <laughs> <laughs> the real artist is, uh, I think they call him Lord of Fire. Jasa. Okay. Yeah, it was him and uh, he featured uh, this guy. Nice. Nice. Benu also. Yeah, exactly. I love Benu that also. song. Ah, man. We I run to that song once in a while. For a long time. In fact, I don't have it on my phone. I, if I can get it, I'll yeah. put it back up as my ringtone. I'll try and get it for you. Yes. Ah, I love the song. In fact, I know the song. <laughs> I ah, eh? got about anybody. <laughs> Okay, so that'll be your favorite song. What about your favorite musician? Musician. That's a very tough one. Nigerian? It could be foreign, but let's, you know, since you are very about our culture, let's I'm make about it. about everything, I mean. Okay, let's do one Nigerian and one foreign. Let's do the foreign first. Okay, sir. The foreign musician will be Bob Marley. Oh, okay. Yeah. I still listen to his music in my car every day. That's awesome. Um, Nigerian. That one is too tough. <laughs> I love too many of them. Too, too, too many of them. If, if, I, if I said that, Uncle... Yeah, dying there. That's Bella. <laughs> Bella. Kind of a figure, I don't know why. Yeah, that's, Bella. Kind of Bella. that's Bella. Yeah. Especially before all his uh, political songs, mm. before the 1980s, before 1990, you know, if you go listen to them, they are priceless. Post-1990, they became too too political. You understand? But still strong. Yeah. Still strong. Yesterday, I still went on Spotify mm. to play Yellow Fever. And I have, on several devices in my car, I have collections of last songs. And we're done. And I have to just say thank you so much. Thank you, too. This is a really great conversation. 
Today's episode is produced by Fola Shade Anosie. To ensure that you do not miss out on subsequent episodes, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. That's T-H-E-S-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We are also active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Bye.